0: Okay, audio should be good. And then, it looks like we're all good on the video. You good to go? hmm Yeah? All right. Where are you? There you are. All right. All right, and we're live. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Notable Quotables, your new favorite podcast, where we will discuss, break down, uh, quotes hopefully that will inspire you uh, be thought-provoking and help change your life maybe give you words to live by I am your host Octavius William Lundy you may also call me Avi joined by my wonderful roommate today Frankie Ramirez
1: hello Frankie hello guys hi you want to give us a little background on yourself Frankie um, well I am just a roommate I was born in this room <laughs> and I have lived here all of my 22 years. Yeah. Well, I thought you were 24. I am. <laughs> 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 I was so focused on the joke, though, that my, yeah, yeah. my age escapes me. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel you. Um, mm. No, I'm originally from Miami. Mm. Um, grew up in Miami. Um, I grew up with Cuban parents. Right. Um, I always grew up in a very multicultural setting. Mm. I think that really set me off on the right foot for having. Uh, a balanced perspective on life. Yeah. When you grow up with two challenging um, lifestyles.
0: How do you feel that gave you a balanced perspective? What do you mean by that?
1: Um, it was always... I think in my life, there's always been a duality. Mm-hmm. So for example, a lot of the Cuban um, ideology is a little bit more conservative, whereas the American ideology is a little bit more liberal. Right. And so I was always straddling those two and trying to see which one I agreed with. And so mm. having been challenged from an early age as to how different peoples can live mm-hmm. then it brought me to a conclusion that different people do live by different ideologies
0: right right yeah I think that's that's very good to get at a young age you know really do you feel like it's helped you have an open mind as an, as an individual
1: not initially but I think that mm. the more I appreciate it the more I do get to um, I get to a place of an open mind
0: right Okay,
1: gotcha, gotcha. What about you?
0: Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm from Ithaca, New York, um, upstate New York. I guess I mean I don't know if it's really upstate. Like I grew up my whole life. People being like, oh, so it's upstate New York. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. But then I like I met other people who are like, it's not really upstate New York. It's like there's more upstate New York. But like anyway, it's it's the hometown of Cornell University, so that's kind of cool. Um, it's a, it's a small town, very beautiful. Um.
1: But Does upstate mean, like, ge- in geographical location, it's just further north? Yeah, geographical location. Or is it, like, a cultural location. term that
0: people use? Uh, geographical, because, like, people, like, if you say you're from New York, people immediately assume and or ask you mean New York City. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just like, no. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not from New York City. Not even a huge fan of the city, really. Like, it's, it's cool. It's big and everything. But, like, it's not it's not my vibe. Okay. Um, but, yeah, like, you have to specify. Otherwise, they think you're, like, from the Bronx or something. Um,
1: that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So it's just they share the name
0: yeah exactly exactly so I uh, yeah I'm from there um, it's a small town it's kind of how I grew up more like a, like a tight-knit like community type thing um, I don't know yeah and like I don't know I got really into I've always been into psychology like how people think how the body works things like that but I got into philosophy and stuff like that let's say a few years after I graduated high school just started asking those questions to myself like What do I want to do? What's interesting to me? Like what, what is life about? What is my life about? And then that kind of helps spark why I wanted to do this podcast, things like that. Cause like I started getting into philosophy and it's like, there's so many great ideas and quotes and texts that you can take from people who lived hundreds of years before us that are super relevant to what's going on in life right now. Like in terms of globally, but also just like for me as an individual. So I want to like break down these things and take in more knowledge, but also share the knowledge I have with others.
1: How amazing is that? that because you know we've developed a writing system and we have access to the internet and we have access to all this information. We can yeah. find, um, I guess, a middle ground with people mm-hmm. who we wouldn't think to have any middle ground with. Yeah, no, it's
0: it's incredible. Like the fact that, like, even just us meeting, like, because I like I found this room. On Facebook, you know, if Facebook didn't exist, I would never be here. You know, one, you know, one person, obviously, one person had the idea or whatever, controversially, but then obviously other people helped create the company. But just like that one platform that's made possible is the same is the main reason we're here right now. Like we wouldn't be here right now without that platform to help start us off with that. You know?
1: Imagine if we had to like do Telegrams.
0: <laughs> Te- oh my God, no, I, c- I couldn't do that. Oh my God. I mean, it'd be interesting, though. I have often thought about that. Like, the idea of being, like, pen pals with somebody. That would be super interesting. Like, I kind of like having phone calls with somebody once in a while as opposed to, like, texting, like, fairly often. True. Because then sense. it's like, you get to, like, totally, like, check in and talk for hours about, like, a whole update on their life and their weeks and stuff as opposed to, like, getting minute-by-minute minute notifications, you know?
1: I think it, it, it requires a certain type of dynamic for people who are constantly in contact. Yes. And I think you, yes. can, you run the risk of running the relationship dry too early if you, I if you don't give each other time to miss each other. Yes,
0: yes. That's a very good point. Yeah, time to miss each other. Yeah. I've always felt like I'm a person who misses somebody once I see them again. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like one, because like when I'm off doing my own thing, I'm like, I'm very focused on whatever it is I'm doing. So it's like right now I'm away from my family that's in New York. But like once I go back to New York, I'll realize how much I missed being around them. But right now, like, I'm good because I'm doing my
1: own thing. Does that make sense? Do you kind of relate? Sense. I think it's also because you get to, like, see um, more of a development, right? Because you don't see the little changes that take time in the yes. day-to-day living. And yeah, so when yeah. you miss that part, you actually see the change. And you're like, wow, right, things have changed. And then you can put yourself in perspective yes. with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. All right, so that's a little background on us. All right, mm-hmm. let's, get into, let's get into the quotes. Um, I had a few I wanted to go off of for the start of it.
1: Are they notable, though?
0: They are notable. <laughs> they, are, they are definitely notable. Um, I kind of debated what I wanted to start with, but I think I want to start with one that is from, I feel like personal hero is kind of strong, but just someone who I did admire when I was younger um, and still do to this day. Uh, which is Muhammad Ali mm-hmm. and it's kind of a two for one it's it's a quote by him but also my own kind of taken perspective on it into my own quote it's kind of revamped so I do have like a little excerpt I already prepared like written for it so Muhammad Ali said um, any man who sees the world the same at 50 as he did when he was 20 has wasted 30 years of his life and I take that a step I take that a step farther. Or is it further? I I wrote further, but I said farther. I think further further?
1: is for abstract ideas and farther is for concrete ideas. So I throw a ball farther,
0: but I furthered my education? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I think I I was right with further, even though I said farther. So, okay, I take that a step further. There's 24 hours in a day, and that's a lot of time. If I view the world the same way I did yesterday as I do today, then I've wasted 24 hours of my life. Octavius Lundy and Muhammad Ali. So I said that to a friend of mine, I think like a month or two ago, and we were talking about how, like, yeah, like my views, my beliefs, my way of life can change very rapidly. And that's because every single day, like, I set aside time for, like, for thinking, for reflection, meditation, things like that. And it doesn't mean every single day my core values and beliefs are changing, but perhaps how I might go about expressing them or things that I include in them might change because there's just, especially, especially today, there's so much information. We get information overload sometimes, but there's so much information from all different kinds of sources and subjects that we can get. So I feel like if you view the world the same way you did yesterday, you haven't done yourself the duty of learning and growing and evolving in the minuscule amount you can in that 24 hours.
1: Hmm. I think I'd like to start off with um, the original quote? original quote. Yeah. And I do think that what he says is very true. And I think you find a oh, lot yeah. of people who've reached middle age mm-hmm. and they still can't figure out how they want to live their lives or they still have these beliefs. Yes. Or they're kind of very uh, repressedly holding on to their their fleeting youth Mm. and I think Mm. one of the beautiful Mm. things about life is that we get older yeah I think that people in in today's world youth is such a a sexy sold thing that we really don't see the value anymore Mm. in a gray hair in wrinkles in being old in being yeah this sage person who's lived through all this and you have Mm. so much to say right and I think that because society doesn't appreciate that as a whole you get old people who who are quite bitter about the circumstance because oh, yeah. they're not appreciated the same way and are quite bitter mm. towards young people because they know that right. young people get it all without even trying. Right. So on the list of white privilege and street privilege and all the privileges that we want to yes. add in the modern world we should also add young privilege. Yeah. I mean it's not the same thing being a twenty year old guy as it is being a thirty year old man.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. I think
1: when once you're a thirty year old man, mm-hmm. you're people are less impressed by yes. what you do and what you say.
0: There's a whole different level of standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like it's I mean, age is something I I have not embraced, excuse me, in terms of like, oh you're so young, you'll figure it out just because I don't know, I'm like it to me that feels like a disclaimer almost like I've learned to kind of take it in stride and in a sense use it to my advantage like oh I don't have everything figured out cool I'm not supposed to because I'm so young okay but it I don't it it feels almost like condescending in a way when I hear it um but I've learned that's just a part of my ego and how I take it of course but I feel like um yeah, being, I've learned to use that as an advantage in terms of, like, yes, being so young means, okay, people are giving me this free range in terms of, like, oh, you're going to make mistakes and, you know, you're still figuring things out. Like, all right, cool. That helps me be able to, like, take risks and make mistakes and figure out what I want to do with my life without people being, like, man, you need to get your shit together. You're X amount of years old. You know, mm-hmm. like, we don't we don't have that on our shoulders yet, mm-hmm. like, yeah i feel like once you reach like 30 or something people are looking at you like okay what do you have to show for your time here like what are you doing with your life but once you're when you're in that like 20 to 30 range it's like oh you still don't know what life is about shit like that so you get you get that free range to kind of figure it out which i think is good and i don't think we should adhere to society's expectations or pressures but i think we should be aware of them to some degree because They have some level of validity, like you don't need to live the life society tells you you need to live, but I do think you need to reach a point where it's like, what am I contributing to society? What am I doing of value to help the world as a whole, and am I truly living the life that I know I can
1: I think that's true. I think when we go to Muhammad Ali's quote and he says, you know, you view the world the same way you did when you were 20, as you do when you were 50, as Mm. you do when you're 50. Yeah. It's a disservice mostly because you then then took your years, but you didn't learn anything from them.
0: Yeah. 30 years in his example.
1: And in his example, exactly 30. So while we do have this like 20 something privilege of being Mm -hmm. able to make mistakes and kind of like straddling through life. And, you know we can become functioning alcoholics for college and we can oh, just yeah. try all the drugs we want and we can have all the sex we want and repercussions and consequences are a thing that don't really exist in our dynamic of youth um yeah i do think that there is a certain sense of responsibility that we carry with us once we get once we get past that hill like yes once yes that we then have to like sit down and ponder with ourselves okay i've done i've I've, I've taken my youth exactly as it was. I've mm. used it up exactly as everyone has. But now what? Now where do we go? And I don't right. know how many people get to that stage or if they just yeah. elongate those youthful years into yes. their 30s and 40s and 50s. Wow. And so they just become 50-year-old 20-somethings.
0: <laughs> yes, that, that's very true. I was talking about this with the massage therapist I, w- I was with earlier today. Shout out the Recovery Spa here in Orlando. Great. <laughs> But we were talking. If you'd like to
1: sponsor us, (laughs) yeah,
0: Yeah, If you'd like to sponsor us with your small business, give me, give me eight percent of every massage that you get. All the profit.
1: And we will, we will create.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. um, We will create a vibe for you. Yeah, we'll create revenue, absolutely. But we were talking about. uh, Oh fuck! I lost track. What what did you you just (laughs) say?
1: Over here. Trying to make money. Okay, and no more of this. (laughs) Um. that um, a lot of people reach their 50s as if they were still 20 because yes. they never got to that point where they self-reflected and, you know. Yes.
0: A lot of people stay in like high school mindset. They they, they never actually leave high school. And it doesn't even, and, and even successful people too, people who are super ultra success, successful, they still don't necessarily mentally, emotionally, spiritually leave the high school dynamic. Especially like, imagine like a like a pro athlete. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them, surprisingly to a lot of people, are very deep, existential, educated individuals. Is that the majority of them? Factually, no. It's just not. Why? I would say partially because of the personality type that goes into that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. also especially when you live in a society where it's like you can be a 19, 20, 21-year-old making millions of dollars for putting a ball through a hoop or into a net or throwing it across a field, there's not really any motivation to expand your mindset, you know? You don't need to. If you do, that's awesome. But generally, if you're making that kind of money, have that kind of lifestyle, you just have to be that kind of person to want to do it if you already have that. But, um, so a lot of them will stay in that mindset regardless of their tax bracket or whatever. And I think that's a lot of what hinders growth in terms of like a a nation but especially as an individual because it's just very easy to stay there in terms of the way that you see life and the way you interact with other individuals and I think that I know personally for me it has been somewhat of a struggle because going into the working world I didn't initially recognize that how a lot of people are still in that mindset and I did carry it with me because it's essentially all I've known Mm -hmm. Um, but then you get to a point point, it's just like what the fuck am I doing what is everyone else doing (laughs) we're doing the same shit we were doing and then it's like okay where do I go from here since I can't there's this book I read and it was about how to think like Leonardo da Vinci and I kind of skimmed through it one of the great things I took from it though was one of the great things about being an adult is you get to decide who you're influenced by you get to decide who you imitate as a kid you're just like oh i act like mommy and daddy or whatever on the tv as an adult you get to be like oh i'm a conscious being i get to decide to act like him or her or they or them and that's how you get to go about your life so i think that once you reach a point where it's like i don't want to be like just whatever happens to be around me you have to look somewhere else i think that's kind of what brought me to philosophy if that makes sense
1: um, to start off with the comment on the sports things, I think that yeah. the way we treat athletes is overindulged. I don't oh, think we yeah. do athletes oh, many yeah. favors. And no. especially that we, as a nation, um, we prey on black communities for our athletes to make us money. So a lot of UCF, the football team, yeah. is mostly African-Americans and blacks yeah. who are taking that. And they don't invest in their educational careers because they're making no. so much money playing the sport that they... Yeah don't even see the value in getting an education. Yeah. And it's not to say that athletes are less prepared than other people or rather it's a type of intelligence, a type of you know bodily intelligence. It is a yeah, type of skill uh, that they have.
0: Kinesthetic intelligence, yeah. yeah.
1: It's a skill that they have and it's a skill that they hone and a skill that they market on.
0: Yeah. Completely
1: fine. But it's also yeah, yeah. what is the what is the incentive in it that we're creating for these men in these athletic mm. positions mm-hmm. and how are we doing them a disservice by by making the golden goose lay more golden eggs. Right. I also think that men who are athletes in high school or college and may find themselves that they've peaked in mm. that stage, mm-hmm. I think it also has to do with what we were talking earlier about identity and how oh, people yeah. identify with certain parts of their life. If yeah. you identify too strongly as a football player, mm-hmm. That will end because the body ages and the body will not be able to continue doing oh, yeah. what it was doing at a young age. And so right. once men reach that age where they're like, oh, I can no longer do this, I'm no longer a football player, I'm no right. longer a soccer player, I'm no longer a soccer... P- I already said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer, you know... the I'm no longer an athlete, Yeah, an athlete, then yeah. Who, who am I as a person? Right. And then you have these men who have mm-hmm. like existential crises at 50, yeah. and they buy these yeah. cars, and they hang out with these young women. It's very common. And so it's like, what have you learned in the last 30 years? You focused yeah. all of your attention onto one aspect of your life, but mm. you didn't bother exploring the other aspects of your life because you weren't given the chance because yeah. you were being overindulged. Like a child, always getting candy. You never yes. had to work for anything. Yes. You played the sport. You did yeah. the thing. You trained. Yeah. You worked mm-hmm. your heart. You worked your body to the core. Yeah, yeah. But that's all you did. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: It left you, for a lot of them. While they may be exceptional, hard workers, devoted, determined, it leaves. It may leave them one dimensional, mm-hmm. in that matter. Like yes you can go and work out and exercise and put a ball into a net or through a hoop or run down a field better than you know 98 percent of the entire population that is exceptional no one can take that away from you but if you can't do that who are you not even like how do you provide income for yourself and your family just like yeah literally who are you outside of that for your own personal well-being i don't I don't remember who it was. I heard this story, like, a few years ago about this. This I think it was a woman who... Her whole dream was to be on Broadway and do shows and stuff. And then she achieved it when she was really young. Like, I think a little bit younger than us. And then after she did it, she just, like, had no zest for life. And I believe she ended up ending her life. And it's insane to me. Like, I... I, don't, I get it, but I don't, obviously I had no idea what her actual mindset was, but like she, that was her dream. That was her goal. That was her drive. And she achieved it. And apparently it seems like she felt like, okay, well, where do I go from here? And I guess she never had the support around her or took the time to ex- actually explore where do I go from here now that I've achieved X dream. And I think that it, 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 pro- it proposes an existential question, but also a practical question. Like, a lot of people get that, like, even if it's just, like, something simple. Like, okay, this is my day job. This is what I do. Not necessarily a passion, but it's what I do. Like, okay, I, y- you know, I, I'm, I'm a mailman. Okay, if you're laid off as a mailman, you've been doing it for 10, 20 years. Like, like, who are you? You were the guy who woke up at X amount of time, delivered the mail, came home, did this, this, and that. And now you don't anymore. Even if it wasn't directly passionate and, and, and enticing to your soul, it gave you a, a basis and a foundation for your life. So now when that's taken away, you have to decide and discover who you are outside of that. I think we get very easily attached to these external things, mm-hmm. which kind of plays into like what we were talking about earlier, the debate of like is who you are, who you are in here, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul – versus your actions and it's like I do believe that it is your actions but if you take away like your ability to, to perform certain actions I think now you have to reinvent yourself
1: I think that um, concerning the woman that um, entered her life because of her career yeah. I think that that's just an identity issue I think that the drive to yeah. to reach that dream was the most exciting part of her life, yeah, and it's sort of yeah. like how women, um certain women suffer from postpartum depression. It's yes. like having the baby and the mm. pregnancy is like such an excitement, that once you have mm. it's like, oh, then what am I? I'm yeah, like, that's it. And it's not to say that that's the only sole reason. Of course, mm-hmm. women go through a lot of hormonal changes during pregnancy and during childbirth, yeah, sure. and a lot of you know. Um, the oh, chaos wow. of that is that once mm. those hormones are released, and there's a big crash afterwards as well. Oh yeah. So there's a biological aspect to it as well, but I also mm. think that it's just a, an identity thing too for women and motherhood and that woman and uh, getting to her career. Yeah. But concerning identity, I think that there's a quote by C.S. Lewis that I think can mm. better encapsulate my views on it. And C.S. Lewis says, "We don't have a soul; we are a soul." We have mm, a body, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so yes. to me, that says our identity is somewhere inside us. But it doesn't. Yes. Our identity is not our intelligence. No. It's not our kindness. It's not our mm-hmm. meanness. It's not our our vanity. It's not our greed. It's not all these things that we, these feelings and these personality traits that we attribute to, to people, but rather the essence that resides inside our corporal self. Right. And so, for me, what that means is that our identity is is our essence. Yeah, is the essence of who we are. Right. And then, symptomatically, that can appear with actions. Mm. So I think people who have a very good mm. sense of identity would tend to have a good sense of emotional intelligence, which would then make them do very good actions. Right. People who have maybe a distorted sense of identity might have mm. a distorted sense of emotional te- intelligence, which would then make them do actions that would be counterintuitive to them. Right. And then because they're betraying themselves, because they know they shouldn't be doing these actions, then it mm. creates this this resonance, this feedback loop, where it just gets greater and greater and greater and greater yeah. until they until you find these people who have completely lost all their shit and right. they're like 30 years old yeah so um, uh, circling back to the original quote before we deviate too far yeah yeah I think that what Mike who was Muhammad Ali yes Muhammad I was gonna say Mike Tyson geez <laughs> yeah I, yeah I, I think Muhammad Ali's hmm. quote is really just about keeping order in your life and not letting chaos reign in. And I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that it stopped. And this is not my own idea. These these are ideas that have been Mm. circulating in a lot of people's minds. But I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that we've had to stop and actually put ourselves in a position of self-reflection. Oh, yeah. And for a lot of people, regardless of age, you could be 5 years old, 15 years old, 25, 30... 60 years old, for a lot of people in their lifetimes, they've never had to deal with themselves. No, they've always
0: had some sort of external thing, whether it was a distraction or mm. just factually having to, okay, I have to work, then come home, take care of the kids, take care of the house, take care of bills and external things, okay, I'm going to hang out with friends, i got to have a social life, just, you know, f- you know, filling every single gap that could possibly be there for that time, just to be like... Well, now it's just me.
1: Now it's just me and my thoughts. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. And who do I want to be?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's a a very good point. Just to, yeah, dealing with that chaos, the internal chaos of who you are. Um, Yeah, that, I'll throw in another quote that I really like that ties off of that, which is, this was Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, a philosopher, he said, um you must have chaos within you to give birth to a dancing star. Okay. And I think to totally break that down, that could be a, you know, a whole different episode. But I think it, it ties into what we're talking about in terms of like, you know, yeah, kind of like anybody who's really successful who's made a real impact in society, I will say at least in American society, American history, I'll say that. Because that, those are very easy... Uh, relatable examples for probably who's going to be a large like part of our listener base at least for the
1: beginning and also we want to keep our sample size small yeah yeah because we're working i mean i don't don't know if you guys know but we're both american (laughs) yes i'm american (laughs) yes so we want to keep our sample size small i don't know how much you've been in
0: the videos oh it's just i've probably been cut off a
1: few times already yeah
0: it's all right but uh yeah um Yeah, like a lot of these people, like we think about the like Elon Musk, the Jeff Bezos, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs, but also like the Oprah Winfreys, the Elden DeGeneres, the people like these. These are very. These are not people who you're going to sit down and have tea time with. These are not people who are like your average person. I don't even in terms of their capabilities or whatever, or their intelligence, whatever. Mm -hmm. Just like they're very like I think it was yeah I think it was Elon Musk talking on the Joe Rogan podcast he was like like you don't want to be inside my my brain my head because like this thought's just like constantly firing like and having to deal with that is is a lot and I can imagine it would for someone who's as productive as he is and creates such innovative things to have that kind of brain and kind of mind I imagine it would almost be burdensome in terms of there's not a switch you can flip where it's just like I mean, aside if you want to, aside from like if you want to use like um, external substances or something you don't just turn that off.
1: Mm-hmm. If you
0: have a brain and a mind that's just like what about this and this and this and this, you don't like you can't just be like all right we're gonna quiet that now. Like you always have that and deal with that. These people have internal chaos constantly going on or like people who are like like revolutionaries like a Martin Luther King or something like everything that's going on socially within a country almost within a continent you internalize that and then you externalize it in a productive manner the amount of character and like alchemy it takes to do that is incredible and that's why we these people are admired because the average person actually can't do that we struggle with the idea of inequality But certain people are like, this is my purpose. I'm going to take all this anger and hatred and inequality, take it in, and then put it back out in a productive manner to help fix it. Like, that's chaos inside you that you use to turn yourself into, like, you can call a star, like, there's stars, like, celebrities, like, movie stars, but, like, someone like a MLK or a Ghana or somebody. Those are stars. Those are... Like, if you look through history, their names are synonymous with history.
1: You know, those are stars, you know? There's a part of a quote that says that, you know, if, you, if you're if you thinking too much, you should write. Mm. And if you're not thinking enough, then you should read. And so mm. the part of the quote that for me mm. kind of relates to this, if you're thinking too much, you should write.
0: you know who said that? I'm unsure. I like that, though.
1: Um... And so I can imagine these people whose souls are on, at an unrest, and mm. so they have all this drive to do things, you know, yes. they have all these thoughts, they have all these things that are going on in their head. They mm. need an outlet for that. Yes. And so there's another quote by James Peterson that says that we as humans, we need to be able to tell stories. Telling oh, stories yeah. is not an invention. It's a symptom no. of being human. Yes. Because that's the way we organize our mind is by oh, yeah. telling stories and relating stories yeah. to people. And I think that's part of the reason why we are social creatures. Oh yeah. Is that because it is impossible to live so much life and not be able to tell it. Yes. It's impossible to live so much life and carry so many experiences and not be able to relate it to anyone. Absolutely. So I think for these particular individuals who have been given the limelight and mm-hmm. who are in in a sense special individuals with special capabilities and a special attuned sense of what they do mm-hmm. they need an outlet and when they found their outlet a lot of people found value in that outlet that they were doing and so they gave yes. them the limelight yes. there was something else I was going to mention but I think it slipped my mind but that was the main gist of it
0: yeah no I agree I, um, and this I do believe is a direct thing from Nietzsche um, in his book uh, Thus Spoke the Zar- Zarathustra um, essentially, when you gain a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom, what your burden becomes is the need to unload that. Yeah. Like, you have to share that with others. You have to find individuals to share that with and to, like, unburden yourself. Yes, with. yes, unburden yourself with because, you know, it, it's a lot, even, you know, and I think that's part of why, like, we share things in general, even if it's not like, oh my gosh, this is totally mind expanding, super helpful for life. And you're just like, oh, this is a funny cat video. Yeah. Why do we feel that innate desire to share yeah. it with somebody? Like it's, it's because like, oh my God, I have this joy that I'm bursting with from this video, from this text, from whatever. I need to share this with somebody else so they can relate. I need them to know and understand the joy that comes from this. And that's a huge part of I think why we do what we do, and I think there's lots of like ideas and theories of like we're as like a, a planet, as a universe, but especially as a people, like we're all one big brain, mm-hmm. and like that's what like networking is. It's it's we are like individual like neurons connecting with each other, okay. like like adding to the informational platform that we have that's part of why we share information Mm. in my opinion is is just so that it can be it can be built upon you know like i might watch like it uh animal planet documentary or something and i might just take it and be like okay that's cool but then i might talk to a friend who's like you know a biologist or something be like you know i saw something in this animal document and be like oh my god, I've been working on this theory about blah, blah, blah. The, oh, I didn't even think about it like that. Wow, okay, now I'm gonna and it just, it, it helps the, the
1: human, massive consciousness brain evolve in that way. Or even just like, for example, you tell a joke in a group of friends and someone mm-hmm. adds to the joke and another one adds to that joke. Mm-hmm. What a great feeling of connection to feel like you've yes. added to the bunch. Yes. And you're all intrinsically connected, even if it's just by mere laughter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Oof, there was something I was gonna say. What was it? The first part that you spoke about before you went on to the biologist.
0: Before I went on to the biologist, um, about yeah, how we're all like one connected brain, and how we're all like all, all adding to things. A before that, we need to unburden ourselves, uh-huh. um, and that's part of why we share things, even if it's not like super existential or whatever. Um, it's
1: escaped me. It's got me.
0: It's escaped me as well, but I mean that's okay. I think I feel like now would be a good time to transition to the quote that you have you've brought to the table for today.
1: Um, the, my quote might even be connected to your quote in a way.
0: I would not be surprised.
1: So if I'm, I don't know who my quote is by. I didn't search it up. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Well, I could do that now.
0: I mean, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Give us. But a But I, I searched up now.
1: Allow not me just one minute. Yeah. It is by da, 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 da. Okay, Kierkegaard.
0: Oh, Kierkegaard. Okay, I don't so, know much, but yeah.
1: It says uh, life can only be lived forwards, but it must be understood backwards.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the
1: way that I connect it to your quote is yes, you know, people who get to fifty and they're like, okay, and they reflect back on their twenties and they're like, wow, mm-hmm. I really am the same person. Mm-hmm. And I think. It's the need, I think this proves the human need to think. We have to, oh, we yeah. have the human Oh I think need
0: therefore think. I am.
1: Oh, I remember my thing. Yes. Let's go back a minute. Alright. So, when we were talking about the need, the need to unburden ourselves, in right. Spanish, the word for venting, when you vent to someone, like mm. you talk about your problems, yeah. is to, it's undrowning. Undrowning? That's how they call it. Yes. Wow. It's that's how i got to say. Which means, which like kind of means to undrown yourself. Desahogarse.
0: Desahogarse. Des-, Des. Des. Au. Au. Gar. Gar. Se. Desahogarse.
1: So it's like to undrown yourself. Okay. Which in, which uh, more literally could be translated to that, but I guess one might say unburden oneself. Yeah, yeah. Or unburden one's load.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful though.
1: But it's, the imagery for it is even better because yeah. imagine you're like just up to your knee, up to your nose in water. And you have to let these things out or if not yes. you're going to drown yes and so it's like you, we need to have an outlet we need to oh have my somewhere God, yeah. to centralize these thoughts yeah. and this chaos in our lives absolutely that's, yeah that's my addition to that okay <laughs> a <Yeah>. little late <laughs> yeah well what was what was the quote again so the quote is life can only be lived forward but it must be understood backwards
0: yes i think i think that's a really really good one i think that that then that's one where pretty much anybody can benefit from it because i feel like especially honestly especially people our age um but even far beyond we get caught up in this like overthinking you know like oh why did i do this why did i do that where am i going what am i doing and we need to get back to the here and now but even still even in the you know like a lot of meditations and philosophies and will be like just focus on the now focus mm-hmm. on the now people will stress the fuck out about the now. They won't be doing a damn thing. They'll just be... They'll try to meditate. And, say, and this has been me. When I first started meditating, I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, I'm cool. I'm breathing. I'm breathing too fast? Too slow. Okay, wait. <laughs> should, I, should I cross my legs? Should I lie down? Like, Okay, this is boring. I'm done with this. Like, <laughs> You go through the whole process and it's like, it's not so much about focusing on the here and now. It's about learning how to, at least in my opinion... Um, I actually see this great quote um, meditation is not about learning how to control your emotions it's about learning how to not let your emotions control you
1: okay that's fair
0: yeah and I really like that and I think that's a lot more what it's about it's like when you have these because we're not we're humans we're thinking creatures we're supposed to have thousands of thoughts going through our brains at one time and or not, emotions, not at one time but like in a day or whatever You know, our while, emotions should
1: come out we should yes, have emotions we're supposed to
0: have emotions we're supposed to express our emotions that's what they're there for emotions are power emotions are experience but when we live in a society when we're people it's about learning how to express the emotions and when to express the emotions. and that's I disagree with a lot of philosophies that are like we should do away with negative emotions or why are you so angry? You shouldn't be so angry. No. You just focus on positive. Exactly. That's emotions. a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Like... Um, uh, who was it? I forget who it was who said, it's easy to be angry, It's but it's hard to be angry for the right reason, at the right time, at the right person, at the right amount. Essentially... Like... You know, but like... Yeah, not being... Like if someone... Comes up to you and punches you in the face and insults your mother. Like biologically, because you don't like being hit, Mm -hmm. your your body, your brain is like physical damage is bad. (laughs) Also, emotional damage is bad, especially when it's related. (laughs) (laughs) Emotional damage, especially if it's related to like I'm out of the screen now. Here we go. If it's related to like your your Close family You should be upset to a certain degree Unless you're like A monk or a stoic or something mm-hmm. Like it's it, it shows that there's A psychological connection to you Understanding what has just taken place So it's like Yeah some random person walks up to you Punches you in the face insults your mother You should be angry It's all about how you express that anger mm-hmm. If you get up and you, you know, beat the shit out of them. Is that productive and good? No, not necessarily. Some people would say yes. I would say no. It's your own thing. But should you have the anger response? Yes, because that means you acknowledge what the hell just happened. And it, and and uh, emotionally, anger is factually a, a it's the next level step emotionally from fear. So really, you're coming from a fear of. Oh my God, they're going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. And then your brain transmutes that into danger, fight or flight, fight. So, and then that's where the anger steps in. So it's like, yeah, that's a survival thing. Your brain, your body's like, all right, we need to deal with this. Um, But that's why there's also no shame in running. If someone's trying to fight you, why would you stay there and risk physical harm? You You can run. But... I think that, that it, it speaks to the fact that you understand what's going on. Like we should have those emotions in the first place. That's about how you deal with them. You could, somebody comes up to you, punches you. You could be like, I don't know what the fuck your deal is, but I'm not going to fight you. Go fuck yourself. And you could walk away. And now you've dealt with your anger and expressed it in a totally rational way. Fuck you. I'm not going to deal with your ignorant behavior. I'm going to go live my
1: life. Anger. Felt, expressed, acknowledged, dealt with. I think that also there's another quote by C.S. Lewis that says, "I sat with my anger long enough mm-hmm. until she told me her real name was sorrow."
0: Ooh, I think I've heard that one. That's a good one. And yes, yes. To
1: me, it's like it's not just about feeling angry and recognizing the anger. Mm-hmm. It's knowing what what's the underlying issue with the anger. Yes. Where's it it's really hurt. coming from? You're hurt oh, yeah. somewhere. Oh yeah. There's sadness coming from somewhere that's manifesting oh, yeah. itself through hurt because now, oh yeah, you've been sad for so long mm-hmm. that now you're angry that you've been sad. You're resentful that you've been sad. So I think that people yeah. that suffer from mm. from anger issues mm-hmm. they don't realize that really at the root of it is a hurt child Resenful that was never you've been validated. Sad. Yeah. So when I look at my quote, it's saying, okay. It's looking at my life and saying, okay, I was angry this time for this, I was angry this time for this, I was angry this time for this, I was angry this time for this. What's the common denominator? Every time I've been angry, what have have I been angry about? Right. What what is the overlying, you know, um, theme in my anger? Yes. Where am I actually hurt there? And right. as a child, I was a very angry child. I went to therapy because really? I, was just, I was had fits of anger that I didn't know how to express. Right. I was a child and I didn't know how to deal with emotions. My parents weren't emotional yeah. intelligent to be that way. Right. What you're feeling is anger. Yeah. This is what you do when it's you're angry. It's not something you're generally taught. Yeah. yeah. And so when I look back at my life now, I mm-hmm. realize the reason that I was angry is because I was not being validated. I was hurt that yes. what I would say yes. wouldn't be taken seriously. Because right. I was a child. So I was angry at myself for being a child. Mm. I was angry at everyone else for treating me like a child. Mm. Mm. And it went away. It, I think it would have gone away anyhow when I became an adult because people would have taken me more seriously. When do you think you became an adult? Um, mentally or <laughs> physically?
0: When do you feel like you started being validated as an adult? Rather. Because mm. I feel like that question directly ties more into the sentiment that you just expressed.
1: I don't know. I don't even think I'm being taken seriously as an adult now. I don't even take adults seriously <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and why is that? I just think I think we suffer two heartbreaks in life.
0: Mm, okay. I think
1: we suffer the heartbreak when we're starting to be you know, in our teen years or double digits mm-hmm. where we realize our parents are not perfect.
0: Oh yeah. And a lot of
1: people don't talk about that heartbreak well, yeah. we're like,
0: oh You take your parents off of the pedestal.
1: And you take and it's it's a deep,
0: deep scar that a lot of us carry. And it's 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 hard psychologically because even if you don't like a lot of people they're like, My mom and my dad are the greatest. Or I wanna be like mom, oh, I wanna be like my dad. Some people are just like, They're my parents, they take care of me. But then you get to a point where it's just like the these are the people who biologically made me. Yeah. You know, like the they got their flaw. They're just people.
1: Yeah, they're, they're just They're factually people. just
0: people they're who just happen people. to have a child. And that mm-hmm. child happened to be me. And they gave me what they could. Mm-hmm. They, they did not have to pass a test. They did not sit down most of the time and think about qualified for this? Do we want to do this? It
1: was just like, alright, I guess they have to get a license for it. No! No! You gotta get a license to cut hair. <laughs> or not to make more people. There should be a license to make more people. Yes. An entrance exam. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: But yeah, most of our parents is just like, alright, we're doing this. And they, they give us and they do what they can and not in a disrespectful way, but they're
1: not necessarily qualified. And it's also like, I think parenthood for a lot of people is sort of like, and I mean this very cynically and I recognize that, but I think yeah. for a lot of people when they have children, it's sort of like, here's my number one fan. My oh, child is my number one fan. Oh, yeah. Because you like, it
0: like that, but yeah, so true. It's a dynamic that yeah. is very unusual for people to, oh, a lot of yeah. people can't
1: handle that dynamic. Someone yeah. being 100% dependent on you. Yeah. And so when I grew up, and I realized wait a minute my parents don't have all the answers wait a minute every time I ask a question they kind of blow yeah. me up what's yeah. going on <laughs> yeah. and so they build themselves up to be this great big thing because uh-huh. the child doesn't know any better and then the child yeah. suffers this heartbreak when they're like oh my parents are imperfect yeah. so imagine if you had a mom mm. when you were 5 years old and your mom might have yelled at you and then she comes back hey you know what I reacted wrongly Yeah. it was I had a big feeling and I didn't um, know how to control it Right. and this is what we do when we have big feelings that we don't know how to control we come back and we Reconvene, right? right. We come back and we say, hey, I had a big feeling this wasn't right. Right. Ma- like, that wouldn't have taken my parents off a pedestal. That would have put them right on the pedestal because I would have felt validated. Mm-hmm. But a lot of parents think that doing that would be like, oh, no, they can't have this image of me. It's like fuck. I have yeah, a worse oh image God, of you yeah. if you're beating my ass yes. than if you came back and were, and validated that mm. we both did something wrong. Yeah. And then we were both part of the solution. Yeah. So now I can be a child and still feel part of the solution. So Absolutely. My mom could, have, or any parent could, be like, "How do you think we can work on this? What can we do right. next time where we're having a big feeling and we need some time?" Right. I'm gonna say next time I'm having a big feeling, I'm gonna mm. need some time. What do you think you can do? Absolutely. so it's like the child can be a child but the child can still be guided into problem solving yes imagine the people that we would have nowadays if people parented that way
0: that's a great point point.
1: and most people don't get to this point unless they've reflected back on their life and they look back at their childhood yeah so for me a big red flag for dating is people that don't remember their childhood and oh, I mean this yeah. in a I mean this in a in a very specific sense i do believe i do think that some people suffer unmeasurable trauma in childhood oh that,
0: yeah the brain is just like we're not we're not doing yeah, that that was just psychologically blocked yeah. out. Oh, i can yeah. completely understand oh, yeah.
1: that but on the other side of that for people who don't remember their childhood what that says to me is i've never thought back on my childhood i've never self reflected and revisited the memories of my childhood yeah in a new light right and it's like so if you haven't done that for your childhood then when do you
0: yeah, yeah. When you when do you self reflect? Life crisis. Are you
1: just? Do you just live by by pure inertia? Are you moving mm-hmm. through life on momentum? Are you just going? Are you just still living because you've you're alive? Yeah. Or are you living because you want to live and you've created a purpose for yourself to continue going?
0: Just to live doesn't mean you're alive, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: this is notable quotables. This <laughs> is notable
0: quotables. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's. Oh my god. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, like, that's a huge thing for for me especially, is every chance I get, I reflect. I mean, we were just talking about this yesterday, like, so we were talking about I was I was going off About the whole like cursive writing thing Oh yeah Yeah and I was like Why was I like this As a child <laughs> Like what? Well this is such a Simple thing Why as like A like Eight year old Was I like No This is stupid I'm not doing this It's not relevant To my future life That's like I don't, I don't know How old you are In like third grade But like yeah, yeah. Eight like Ten year old Ten years old Or whatever Like I was like Fuck I remember doing this Why was I like this Like And it's and it's not a like oh my god why was i like this it's like it's a
1: like huh what was my motivation then? exactly what was, what what was, was my motivation, motivation that moment?
0: how did that help shape who i am today am mm-hmm. i still like that in some ways if so is it a positive is it a negative it's a, if it's a negative can i make it a positive you know if it's if it's a positive how could it become a negative how can i watch out for that like i think that people who can sit back and reflect on who they were as a child I think that they'll have a better advantage of determining who they are and who mm-hmm. they want to be as an adult because, and this is something I, I discovered for myself, but I also learned from like some like spiritual teachers, shout out Ravi Walsh, Heart Path Healing and Coaching, um, is your internal child is factually always the person that's driving you. Yeah. Whether, you, whether or not you want to acknowledge mm-hmm. it, accept it, whether or not you even know that an internal child mm-hmm. or know that they're there. They're driving every single one of your actions. Yeah. Whether it's eating a salad, eating a cookie, having a drink of alcohol, going to a museum, going to college. Who you date. Yeah, who you date. Who
1: you decide to be friends with.
0: That internal child, there's some need or want that they have. That person you were before you decided, I need to be an adult. I need to grow up. That person never stopped existing. You just stop listening to them and acknowledging them. They didn't go away.
1: I think it's also like once we suffer traumas, if we don't take active action to work through that trauma, yeah. we will stay in that mindset. We cannot oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we have to self-reflect. We have to do the work. Yeah. And in the, in the quote of – I think one of the prime examples – of unresolved trauma is in Rick and Morty where you see the family mm-hmm. dynamic of who they are and why they are they are yeah. and the codependency that is created <laughs> from Rick's yeah. alcoholism and Rick who yeah. hasn't worked through his own trauma and tries to numb himself with drinking mm-hmm. is that for him if it's not an adventure it's not worth it and a lot of people yeah. a lot of people yeah. they like to um, a lot of people who don't have a sense of feel a sense of meaning will distract themselves with pleasure
0: oh yeah and oh, so yeah. a lot of
1: people will go into sex they'll go into drugs they'll go into alcohol they'll go into mm. you know these adrenaline junkies like these yeah. people that just take this one very nice thing that life gives us and takes it to another extreme right because they themselves haven't worked through their own feelings and their own sense of self and yeah. so they distract themselves with pleasure all the time yeah and Rick Sanchez's character that essentially does that and there's an episode where they go mm. to family therapy and this woman looks at him and she's like yeah, of course this is gonna be boring to you because it's work. Yeah. There's no way you can't do it so wrong that you're gonna die.
0: Yeah, yes. But it's yes. constant work yes. that you have to keep revisiting. Yes. And a lot of
1: people don't have the the pers- the wide enough perspective to be like, okay, this is something that I need to work on for my future. Yeah. Because I need to think about my past so I can work through my past so that mm-hmm. I can build my future better.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think that that's a, and that's I I immediately thought about that episode when you started talking about that, like the therapy episode, and I, I really like that one um, because personally I have very mixed feelings about the idea of therapy. I think that if you have a biological deficiency or something or a biological imbalance in terms of the, you know, or biochemical or whatever the proper mm-hmm. term would be then, yeah, you probably need some form of therapy, probably some form of medication. Um, If you have, yeah, genetic history of depression or something, you probably need, uh, you know, psychotherapy. I think for the average person that goes to just, like, talk therapy, I think that you probably just need to take action in your life. Hmm. I um, I know we both talk about Jordan Peterson, very cool guy. Obviously, very, blown up in the last, like, year or two in terms of his popularity um i agree with a lot of what he said not everything but one thing he said i think this was also on the joe rogan podcast which i really really agree with is like talking about they were talking about depression mm-hmm. like is it internal or external I'm, I'm not directly quoting i don't know if this is the exact language you use but essentially like is your depression caused by external factors or internal factors basically meaning like and this is more so me going off of my own script as opposed to what he says. Like, is your life depressing? If so, then you should be depressed. Okay. Kind of like if if there's people and things around you that should anger you, mm-hmm. then you should be angry. Like if you if you're living a depressing life, like if if you have no friends or family to talk to for joy or support and you you work a job that you don't like and you have a living situation that is below average and, you know, all of these things, that's depressing. Like, like that. that's factually, that's not good quality of life. You should be depressed. If you're not, then you're probably unaware and or delusional about your lifestyle. And so, therefore, your depression should be, it, it should happen because your body your mind should be like whoa this is not what we want and need this is not meeting our psychological emotional needs as a human being you should be depressed and then you should take action to fixing those get a new job get friends reconnect with your family you know improve your living environment even if you can't move or something clean up tidy up get new furniture stuff like that that's external internal depression that's maybe not warranted is I have all these external things per se, but I'm just like, I feel like I'm not good enough, or I feel like I'm not a good person, or I feel like I should be doing more. Maybe some of these things also do have some level of validity, like, okay, I, I live a generally good life, but I feel like I could be doing more, and I have dreams and goals and aspirations I'm not achieving just because I don't. Yeah, you should be, to some degree, some level of depressed anxious, angry, because you, your mind, your body, your spirit is telling you to do X, Y, and Z, and you're not. So you're fighting against your inner nature. But if you have all these things, you're living a good life, and you're still depressed, then that's when I feel like, yes, maybe you need therapy. Because it's like, you just have internal like thought patterns and stuff that's like, I'm not good enough, I'm not doing X, Y, and Z, even though you are. It's like the people who look in the mirror and who are 110 pounds soaking wet but are like, I'm fat as fuck. Like, you need therapy for that. You need some form of help and counseling because your brain, your mind is, is is lying to you as opposed to being like the situation I'm in is not good and I acknowledge it subconsciously but I don't want to deal with it consciously. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: I think that there... Concerning back on the first point you made about therapy, I yeah. think there is power in therapy. Oh, for and sure. And I think that... A good therapist and a proper therapist, the purpose of them is not to fill your head with their agenda or how they think you should live their life mm-hmm. or how they think you should live your life. But rather after a few sessions, your therapist determines, okay, you said you wanted to do this, mm-hmm. but you've mentioned this thing three times already. Why right. do you think there's this pattern in your thought pattern? And the person right. unaware of it begins to question then and finally is like, okay, I don't know why I've mentioned that three times. Maybe that's an important part of my life. And so, yeah. Really, a good therapist is meant to be like a sounding board for the person, for the yes. person receiving counseling. Yes. It's to be like, hey, you're throwing all this at me, and mm-hmm. I'm giving you this back. What are you going to yeah. do with it now? Yeah. So for the person who, you know, is, whose life seems very average and who would have no external factors of being depressed but still suffers with depression, mm-hmm. that could be one of two things, I think. It could be a biochemical disbalance. Just like you yes, said, yeah, or it could also be a a very limited perspective based on their own internal mental functions. Oh yeah, and so both yeah, for yeah. both situations, counseling I would even say would still be um, qualified. Number one, you might need to go to a psychiatrist that would yeah. develop that would determine, hey, I think what you're actually suffering from is a chemical disbalance. I think that you're. Right, you know, right. I don't, I don't think your hormones are being produced correctly in your brain i think that right you know so far you've explained to me that you don't know why this is and there's i see no pattern of of your thought patterns leading to depression it just seems that you are depressed
0: yeah and so yeah. we're going
1: to prescribe medication to help you with that right if you were to go to a counselor then it's going to be like hey i noticed that you keep talking about yourself this way why do you think mm-hmm. you view yourself in that light and like, well, I don't know. My mom always said I was like that, and then look, now you've opened up a box. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. So you're really your your subconscious mind is re, your inner child, mm-hmm. is reiterating mm-hmm. what your parents told them. Yes. And so now you believe it, but yeah, counseling is meant to empower people to be like, hey, mm-hmm. your mom's words may not ring true. They rung very true when you were a child because you had no other perspective. But now as right. an adult, you still are caught up on that, so you haven't moved forward. Right. So the counselor would be like, hey you are not that person that your mom said you are. It's right. now for, it's now time for you to create a new identity for yourself. And so the right. person leaves therapy having a more a greater sense of perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a good therapist does that they open up a person's perspective to be like, you've been so caught in this thought loop for so long yeah. that it's almost impossible for you to think outside of it. It's become
0: your reality. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. I forgot the rest of you said. So-
0: no, I think that's good because that, I think that was the what you just said is a best like kind of counter argument towards what we were talking about earlier, which is, which is where I'm like who you are is what you do. I think what you just said is the best counter argument towards that because it's like, yeah, if you grow up believing because whoever told you, uh, you're weak, you're lazy, you're, you're dumb. You could actually be a fucking genius who's super productive and intelligent but you have not been given the opportunity to express that. And in any, um, any circumstance where you even tried to express it, may have factually just been stopped. Like you try and express your intelligence or your independence, and it may have just been blatantly stopped in whatever way by, you know, possibly your caregivers or peers or whatever. Like that's going to inhibit your actual personality and persona in terms of being able to express who you perhaps truly
1: are mm-hmm. or even, um, even getting to a point where you can even recognize that in yourself
0: exactly and that could happen um, and so that's when it does kind of give a real argument against like is who you are what you do and I think that I still stand by my perspective of you are wh- who you are what you are what you do but i think it, i
1: think we want to add the word repeatedly to that
0: yes repeatedly yes that yes that's a very guess repeatedly yes you can you can r- run a mile one day and then sit on the couch 364 yeah. days so, yeah, here, yeah, a year yeah a yeah I, I am a mile runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i think that you can be that mile runner i think a lot of people who sit on the couch are that mile runner in spirit I think, naturally, as humans, most of us are that mile-runner, not necessarily specifically, but in terms of just ambition in general, natural way of being, but we've been conditioned to be on the couch.
1: Okay, in that sense that you just put it in, like, someone intrinsically, like, for example, like, the... The hidden artist in a person, right? Yeah. Like that person, oh, "Oh, I've got great creativity. We've all got that seed of genius. But it's like, if you haven't put it in an output, if you haven't taken action upon those Yeah, I'm not going to
0: call you an artist. Exactly. So in that
1: action, then yes, I could say yes. I wouldn't qualify myself as an artist, even though I Mm -hmm. consider myself a very creative person. Yeah. I've never centralized that into a certain output. Right. So yeah, so that makes sense. I guess in that that sense, I can see your perspective in in that way. Yeah. However, I I think we um, still have an an essence that's apart from us. So for example oh, even I though agree. I yeah. could be considered an artist but never take action on it I do mm-hmm. think that I'm I even transcend being an artist.
0: Yes, yes, that's a great way to put it. I completely agree and that brings you to a good point related to like the therapy thing. Um I feel like um especially excuse me. Like for me I used to write a lot when I was younger, like in high school and stuff. Um, I was very into English. That was my favorite subject in high school. Um, and at first, it was just like something I did. It was the only subject I really felt interested in and connected And I felt like everything else was like, here's the formula. Here's how you get the answers. Like, okay, anybody can do that. There's no, there's no mind into it. You can put brain into it. There's no mind. There's no personality into it. But writing was like, oh, it's about how do I see things? How can I put me into it? Mm -hmm. And so that was fun for me. And then it kind of became a way to like, yeah, it became an outlet like for emotions and thoughts and stuff. And then I honestly feel like I transcended it in a way. Like I got to a certain point where that was no longer my, my outlet. That was no longer how I dealt with my emotions or my thoughts in terms of just writing them down or expressing them creatively in that manner. It became more of like what we're doing now in terms of having these kind of conversations with people. Okay. I learned to, oh, if I'm really angry about something, I don't necessarily want to write a poem about it. I'd rather take that energy, yeah, and yeah, like, and go to the gym and put it into a workout or something like that. So writing served as like
1: that initial block of like, hey, I mm-hmm. appreciate having an outlet for my feelings. Yes. And then just finding different other outlets that fulfill that same thing for you. Exactly Okay, that's pretty
0: mean and I think that a lot of people and that's part of my problem with certain forms of therapy and like I think that therapy should not be something you're in for 10 20 years unless you are severely psychologically damaged and I don't mean just like you have yeah. deep trauma like a lot of people have deep trauma and it's been and, yeah. and it's sad and it's okay. bad and they have to learn to deal with it. But I think uh, aside from somebody where it's like my mother was slaughtered in front of me, that kind of like psychological trauma. Like we don't know if you can ever be a person because of this kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. So we need to keep you like in a facility maintained. But if it's just like I had a troubling past and childhood and things like that. But I can be a person I'm just struggling with being a person. I feel like if you're in after 10 years, that's a decade. Decade. If you live to be like 70, 80, then that's like 10, 20% of your life in therapy. And if it hasn't gotten to a point where it's like you don't need that tool on a regular basis anymore, I feel like, what are you doing? I feel like things where it's like write out your emotions, paint, draw, you know, do theater or something, act out puppets and all that's all great. I feel like it should bring the underlying causes and emotions to the surface So that you can deal with them and acknowledge them. But I feel like once you've acknowledged them, you have to get beyond that.
1: Hmm.
0: Like, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm not worthy of being a good person. Or I'm not worthy of succeeding. Or I feel like I'm dumb because the people around me always told me I was dumb. Alright. Okay, now we've acknowledged that continuing to talk about that gets you nowhere and 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 it's like okay maybe writing poetry or acting it out or yeah having a thing where it's like you you act out that conversation you have with whoever made you feel like that you get that out but then you move on because you still have a life to live outside of it you want to live your life based on your trauma you want to live your life based on your ability to succeed
1: okay I can, I can see what you mean by that. I can see how someone might get to that point, but I think I'd like to counter that argument by exemplifying mm. um, the biochemistry of an alcoholic. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So imagine you're an alcoholic, right? Right. You didn't just happen Cheers. upon alcoholism, you had to build up to it. People mm. don't just happen upon it. And oh, so no, yeah. Someone who's an alcoholic might turn to drinking for various reasons, for sure. regardless of what the reasons might be, the end oh, result yeah. might end the same. Right. Um, some people have a predisposition to alcoholism. Other mm. people drink day and night and don't develop alcoholism. It's very much who you are as a person, and it's this is true. Very much true. biochemical. Yeah. So imagine someone who turns to drinking every time that, um, you know, they have a troubling home life, and in order to escape it, they turn to alcohol. Right. The first few months, it's okay. They can they can go without it. They don't need anything. They just right. like the feeling of it. After a few years, their brain begins to change. It has Mm. actual changes because Mm. our brains are malleable. We have neuroplasticity. Our brains can change if we want them to change. Right. Um, So this person continues drinking, continues drinking, maybe wastes, spends um, 10 years of their life in functional alcoholism. Right. Something happens that finally they get to a little bit more perspective and they're like, okay, fine. I need to leave alcohol. They get to the point where they try to leave alcohol, but they can't. They Mm. try a few times. Mm -hmm they think that they're okay and then they think that they can be 90 days sober and then just like have like a detox period. Right. They turn back to alcoholism and they find that their body is starting to have react a little bit more differently this time to alcohol than it was before mm. because now the body has created a dependency with it. Oh. So, they finally arrive to the conclusion that every alcoholic arrives to that they will never be able to drink another drink in their life mm. because they've gotten their body accustomed to alcohol in a very negative light and the body doesn't right. forget Yeah. so, for the rest of their lives, they will have to leave alcohol. And in order for them to be supported for doing that, in order to, you know, fight their bodily urge- urges for alcohol, they might need a community to which support. So they go to they turn to AA meetings, they turn to family, they turn to people who don't drink, they really lead a sober life. Right. This is something that will be for life. They will always be considered alcoholics because they will never be able to drink again. Right. So imagine that same situation with someone having a traumatic event. The brain changes when you have a traumatic event. Trump it, yes. it says that the root of all trauma is when you have to betray yourself in order to survive or in order to deal with the trauma. Oh,
0: oh yeah. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a great definition. I completely agree.
1: So once you betray yourself, your bot, yeah. your neuroscience changes. Yeah, your, yeah. Your neurons are elsewhere. There's a fear response. There's a flight or fight response in the body. Now, I guess one single traumatic event won't really scar anyone for life but if you have recurring traumatic events that mm-hmm. will lead to a lifelong a lifelong brain chemistry change where sure. you will sure. have trouble solving problems you will have trouble being a person for the rest of your life yeah um there would be a point it's not to say that anyone who, who suffers trauma will will completely be helpless for the rest of it, but I do think that there are people who develop certain types of personality disorders because of their trauma.
0: Oh, yeah. So, for example,
1: uh, bipolar disorder, borderline Mm. personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, these are things that are inherited in the person. They are unchangeable, they're unmovable, Mm. and they are quite detrimental to the person's social life and life as a person. Yes. Those people will need a good support system for the rest of their life to deal with their range mm-hmm. of particular symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I th- obviously, I mean this in a very specialized sense. I think when yes. you were referring to, you know, yeah. if, you know, if you've gone to therapy already for like 10 years because, I don't know, your parents divorced <laughs> and you haven't gotten over it. I,
0: I did not mean to laugh at it the way I did. No, but it's true. If but, you've gone but, to yeah. therapy
1: because your parents were divorced, it gets to a point where it's like, hey, you got to put on your big boy pants now. <laughs> yes. Your parents and, divorced. And so that's many what parents I mean. divorced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if your parents, if you were the son of an alcoholic who beat her, who beat. Your mother day in and day out and day in and day out. And you have to betray yourself in order to cope with that. That's very, very different. You might have to, you know, seek counseling for a very long time to make peace with that. Because those are very hurtful emotions that you have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And your brain chemistry may be said to you, you can't express these types of feelings. You can't be this type of way. So you develop this facade. So you develop this identity, this false identity. Mm -hmm. So the counselor will then have to work, hey, we have to chip away at this identity little by little. Yeah. Which will take months, years to really get to the core of this, and then yeah. once we get to the core of this, we have to bring it out and we have to deal with it. And yeah. once we deal with it, we have to make a plan for how to deal with the future Absolutely. of it.
0: Yes, that, so I yeah. think that
1: yeah. I do, I do get where you're coming from, but I also mm. just want to like widen the perspective that there are certain types of situations mm. that people might need counseling for. And the reason why I say this is because I do think that psychology has power in understanding the way the human mind works mm. can. Make us better understand why we do what we do. Oh, and yeah. I think that's the biggest question that you can ask yourself. Why do I do what I do? Yeah. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick and I'll be right back. All right. I had a liter of water.
0: Yes, yes, please relieve yourself. Going to ruminate on that. Mm. Cheers. I hope everybody's enjoying the podcast so far. Again, I want to give some shout-outs. I want to give some shout-outs to uh, the Recovery Spa here in Orlando. Um, she got a massage today by Miranda. I don't know her last name. I don't think it was mentioned. But great massage therapist. Fantastic. Really enjoyed my time with her. Um, Shout-out to Ravi Walsh. I believe you can find him on Facebook, maybe other platforms, but I know for sure on Facebook, uh, he's a spiritual life coach, Um, even if you're not into spirituality and things like that, he's, he's just a great human being, he can give you lots of help and guidance into where you're going in life and things of that nature, and definitely a big shout out to Shula Stern, another spiritual life coach, again, you don't have to be into the spiritual aspects of life. Just a fantastic woman, um, single mother, really knows how to how to go through life and handle the difficult aspects and still just be in a place of immense joy. Just a great person. I'm very happy and proud to call her my friend and shout out to all of my friends and family who have been supportive of me over the years. Another specific one, I want to give a shout out to... Uh, ed edward aka sandman aka echo who originally had me on his podcast sandcastle always had a fantastic time you got to get it started up again we got to do it man we'll hang out soon all right frankie is back with us frankie you want to give any shout outs while while we're doing shout outs
1: um i'd like to give a shout out to my friend marion skank that is her actual last name. <laughs> her actual word. last name is it, Skank. It is spelled S C H E N C K. I say that's enough therapy skank. right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is the. It is so funny. Yeah. Um, just because you know she's provided a space for me to like share ideas, and we share so yeah. much ideas, and we have such intellectually stimulating conversations that mm-hmm. just like james peterson said the stories help build and order our minds she's mm-hmm. helped me build and order my mind and i hope that mm-hmm. she finds that i've helped mm-hmm. and build and order her mind as well
0: build and order your mind i think that that i really really like that one that is um oh, no. yeah one up? more shout out <laughs> yeah absolutely. i'd like to also give it
1: a shout out to my dear brazilian friend douglas vinicius who um, constantly challenges me because we have very opposing views on almost everything in life, mm-hmm. and he constantly poses a challenge and constantly makes me grow and create a wider perspective on what I think I already know. Yeah. But somehow he's already thought it through and has a, cha- <laughs> a counter argument <laughs> towards it. Yeah. So I think also for him.
0: That's awesome. I mean that, and that that's just a shiny example of why. I think this us being roommates and being friends and doing this right here works because I think we're both people where it's like we have others in our life and are open to perspective where it's like this challenges our beliefs and our way of thinking and our way of lives. And not only do we, are we okay with them, we invite them in. Mm-hmm. You know I think that takes a special kind of person to do that because the, the, the ego does have to take a huge blow to do that. Yeah. and it's it's not easy and it's usually not fun <laughs> like not fun. yeah especially like unless you enjoy pain and anxiety which some people do i do to an extent i don't want to live my life like that but i think i know if i'm in that state means i have some room for growth i have some room for learning mm-hmm. if i'm in that state so i enjoy the process of it i'm not a masochist i don't enjoy actual pain and anxiety but you know, knowing that it, it brings the opportunity for growth is important to me, and obviously, it's also important to you. So that I think that's a big reason why why this works.
1: I think in the sharing of ideas, I think it's also like we want to be able to invite ideas, and we we want to be able to talk about ideas. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also like for me, at least, I I still struggle with being comfortable when I'm challenged. And I think most people do.
0: Oh in a yeah. Certain way. That would be weird. I don't know if anybody really is. I guess maybe in theory, but in practicality, it can you actually be comfortable while being challenged? I
1: guess, let me let me rephrase that.
0: I mean please do, but I also I, I like the fact that you said it that way though, because that makes me think. Hmm. Cause like, like it makes me think about like like working out, like like specifically like using like machines, like it's it's always been really interesting and kind of fun and funny to me where it's like Okay, I'll be at a certain weight. All right, cool. And then I go up like five, ten pounds. I can't do it. And to me, that's always been like really cool in a way. Because it's like, wow, okay, I'm right here and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I can do this. But this slight adjustment of five pounds? What's five pounds? And I try and do that. I can't move the object. I could physically move, you know, Six to fifteen times. I just literally can't do it. That's really cool to me. Like, and I think that's why it's only a certain kind of p- person who, like, bodybuilds and works out like on the regular. Because that's, that's not really normal. F- actually, bodybuilding, working out on that level, it hurts. It's painful. Kind of sucks. I hate doing it a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But like that, like, oh my god, I literally can't do this. But I know if I keep working, I can do this. That's cool to me, like that's intriguing. I'm like, let me keep doing this and keep trying to do the thing I can't, like can. It's not even a like, yeah, I can do it. It's like a,
1: this is weird. I can't, but then I can, I can't that's it. cool. That's really cool to me. I guess, I guess my phrase uh, wasn't thought out as well because after, after thinking about it, I guess it would be irrational to be comfortable while being challenged. So that would be an unattainable an unattainable goal for me. I guess okay. my phrase was more hindering on the fact that maybe I don't put myself in enough situations where I'm challenged. So a lot of the times it's a foreign territory for me. So it kind of feels right. like many times like I'm being caught with my pants down. Okay. Oh, I see what
0: you're saying. So that's okay. what I mean by that. Yeah. So I it's th- still
1: like something that I work through when yeah. I have challenging ideas around me that I haven't completely explored. Right. But I'm in a situation where I have to put certain values or certain beliefs that i've held on to for quite a long time mm-hmm. and have to expose them out to for everyone to nitpick yes but that's more of like yeah how i identify with them like for example i think right. that people that identify too strongly with their values mm-hmm. tend to be very sensitive people because like yes. you can't have a conversation with yes them those
0: because, who get so offended mm-hmm. you can't there's just topics that are off um What's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for? off limits yeah off limits yes yeah, off limits because you they you and or they know even just talking about x y or z it's immediately going to a trigger going to trigger that response where yeah. it's just like they can't they can't they actually mm. cannot
1: and it's not even like for example like if i were to say hey let's talk about when they killed your mother it's right not even like that it's like more. no like it's
0: totally different how because that's a reality yeah that that's a factual reality <laughs> They killed your mother mm-hmm. versus something where it's like,
1: how attached are you that you believe that America is the best country in the world? Exactly. That you know. Any type of differing opinion will completely yes. destabilize you. Exactly.
0: yes, that, and that, that's something where it's like that that, that kind of offended, I feel yeah. like is something that's what has kind of perpetuated our society and our culture in a negative way. I think when we use the words sensitivity or offended, like, again, like when we are talking about anger, there are certain things you should be offended by. Like, again, mm-hmm. if someone insults your mother or something that you hold very foundational to your personal identity, then, yes, you should be offended. How you express that is a, is a whole different story. But should you be offended to some degree, yes, it means you acknowledge what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just totally lost my train of thought. What did you, what did you say? Um. Oh my God! About the
1: America thing, like how, how attached yes. are you to beliefs? Yes,
0: okay, yes. Again, so but so that that's not a belief. That's a reality of someone um, attacking you or your family members. It's not your beliefs per se. I mean, to some degree, your identity is based on your beliefs. But in this scenario, I'm speaking about it's more foundational. It's mm-hmm. it's more factual rather. Um, but like yeah, if it's like America is the greatest country on earth, and I hold that belief within myself. Okay, that could very well be true. That could very well be absolute truth. But there are a million and one ways to dispute that Mm -hmm. that anyone with a brain cell could use to dispute it. And if you had people coming at you with these things, even if it's not in an aggressive, offensive way, it factually um, is like an attack on your belief and your foundation of beliefs. So you're you're being offended and you're being defensive in a sense is natural how you express it again is on you. Can you take it in stride and be like, "Okay, I'm going to listen or I'm not going to listen, but I'm not going to attack you for saying it." Or are you going to be like, "No, fuck you, you're wrong, America." You know like it, there's levels to it, but if you, if if your foundations and your beliefs are based in something that are factually debatable and not agreed upon fact then you open yourselves to that whether it's a, a spiritual belief or religious belief or anything that's not agreed upon
1: fact I think it's also like once you get too attached to a belief then you become insufferable people don't want to be with you and oh so my god no it isolates I've been on both sides of that I'm sure isolates. I've been totally insufferable so I was I watched this show um, it's called Medli it's a Medli? Medli Medli, Medli. uh huh yeah, okay. uh, it means Merlin in in Catalan. Oh, okay. okay. Um, in what language? In Catalan. Catalan. Where is that native to? It is a language of Spain. It is part of the autonomous community of Catalunya. Okay. Because Spain, um, even though Spain is the the origin of Spanish, they have various languages that they recognize as yeah. national language. Well, they they have various languages that exist in the peninsula. Okay. And so, it,
0: it, is it very similar to what we know as like common Spanish?
1: It's sort of like if Italian and Spanish had a baby.
0: Italian, okay. That's and, what it sounds like. And to for me. the record, Italian and Spanish do have very different, distinct qualities to them. Prosodically, as far as you yes. know, yeah. Per, what is that? Pros- mean? Like, Prosodically. A, when you speak it, the way it sounds. The way it sounds. Uh-huh. Okay. Which is different as opposed to the way it's like factually, maybe like written
1: or something? Mm, written, it kind of looks a little like French to me. Which what, what does look like Catalan that? looks like French. Catalan, okay. But you mean Italian and Spanish? Yes, Italian and Spanish. Uh, I think Italian, it's a little different from Spanish, mostly. Okay, yeah, because
0: like, I, I feel like intuitively, just based on basically the media I've seen, I know that they're different, mm-hmm. but I've always understood them to be very, very similar. So you're saying they are very similar, except for how they may be expressed um, sonically.
1: I think um, Italian is more of a conservative language. So Italian looks more like Latin. It uses a lot older words, whereas Spanish has evolved a lot faster just because it's separate. Once more Mm. people speak it, the more people you have to speak it, the faster the language evolves. Right. So Italian is really only spoken in Italy and certain parts of Africa, whereas Spanish is spoken in almost like the sun never sets on the Spanish language. It's spoken in Spain, all all of Latin America except four countries. Yeah. With the exception of the Caribbean, there's more countries there. It's spoken in the Philippines. It's spoken in Africa. I, I did
0: not know Italian was spoken in Africa. Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
1: So, anyway, the show yes, is yes. a show actually based in philosophy. Right. And one of the uh, minor characters in the show happens to be American. Okay. And the way they presented this American character based on the Catalan view of America is sort of like this very ditzy girl who's conservative and pro-Trump. And through the conversations that you see through the scenes, you kind of get a right. feel of, like, the American heart. Because they're talking about, like, firearms, right? And she's pro right. so firearm. And she goes, well, right. what if, you know, you're in the countryside and your family gets invaded by, like, robbers. Like, the robbers aren't going to stop and wait for you to call the police. Like, they're going to kill you right there. You need guns. <laughs> yeah. And I think once they started talking about it and they, like, offered, like, different perspectives on it, she kind of mm. would leave the conversation. She wouldn't stay there to continue um, oh. debating it. And I think that's very much about like the American perspective on how they deal with ideologies is that they they take these ideologies that were passed down to them and they hold on to them too tight. Because for me, what really says people who say that um, we need firearms and firearms are like a necessity in the United States, what they're really saying is like, I value the heart of America. And I'm very nostalgic of how America was. That's what that ideology says to me.
0: Can you please say that one more time for listeners? <laughs> I, I really appreciate that fact that you just said that. I
1: think that people who um uh, I think that people who believe that firearms are a necessity in the United States mm-hmm. for XYZ reason, at the heart of that argument is I feel very nostalgic to the way America was. Yes. And I hold the American value system at heart because In me, there's a sense of patriotism and almost borderline nationalism for it. Yes. And I think that any argument that stems from that really comes from that sentiment. Yes. And so when I see this character, it really brings to life, like, oh, why why are we, as the United States, why have we placed so much value on values? Like, why is our value system the most important thing? Why are our actions the most important thing? Like, for example, people always... Like, it's always, like, a value argument. It's always, like, a battle of values. Yeah. It's never, like, okay, yeah, we deserve firearms because of this and that. But it's, like, look at what we're doing with the fucking firearms. (laughs) We are killing (laughs) children. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to tell me that after Sandy Hook, no one was, like, hey, I like firearms. And I believe we should. But, like, this has gone too far. Like, it feels like we... And it's not. To, I, I get that this is very. Man, there are many, many perspectives, and may, many no, people sure. might say that you know values are the heart of a country, and you know we, sh- we should die for our values. But
0: I, no, we shouldn't. For, from my perspective, no, we <laughs> no, we shouldn't. <laughs> I, I respect your opinion and how you live your life, but I believe no, we shouldn't. Please continue.
1: But I also think like values don't exist in a vacuum. No, and we really need <laughs> no. to consider the reality of the situations. Yes. And then make that comparable with our value system. Yeah. So for example, we can value firearms, but also Mm. admit that we're not using firearms the way that they were intended to. Yes. And then have a discussion about that. Yes. But it's always like, no, we need to have firearms because the constitution said so. Mm. It's like, okay, but? Yeah, right. (laughs) But? Yeah. So, I don't know. Mm. I feel like we as a nation are too attached to our values. And I think that's what makes it hard speaking to Americans about other types of being and other types of lives and yeah. other types of systems of ideologies and systems of government.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I think that that's a really good point. We we get really attached to our values and our ideologies and essentially yeah our beliefs. You know, which are which stem from our country and our constitution and things like that. And I think that those are. I think that has gotten to a point where it's almost like wrong to have pride in your nationality or your country or something, and I don't believe that that's a positive way to go, or not necessarily positive, but I don't think that's a correct way to yeah, go. Yeah, the pendulum can't swing
1: too far the other way. Either. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Like, it, there's nothing wrong with being like, I was born here, I live here, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of, mm-hmm. you know, the the country and the culture I grew up in. Because it doesn't inherently mean that you just believe in the positive aspects whilst ignoring the negative aspects. It just means that you're proud of the fact that you're of somewhere that... For, for someone who would say they're proud, they're usually proud of certain aspects of the culture. Mm-hmm. I don't think... There's no, there's no rational, logical American citizen who's like, I'm proud of slavery. Like, I'm proud of racism. No, they're proud of freedom and the ability for equality. They're proud of the fact that, like, yes, I can have guns in my home because I want to protect myself from, you know, protect my family from the government, things like that. They're proud of those things. Rational, logical human beings in this country are not proud of the negative aspects of our country. They might ignore them per se, but
1: they're not proud of those things. At the at the old folks home that I worked, there was a woman there who self-identified as, oh, God, what are those people called? The people that. Those the, people. The people. Gosh, a, a those confederate, people. A confederalist. Oh, oh, interesting. And so would she, the argument that she made for it. They're if, still is, alive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the argument that she made for it was that the Civil War wasn't about slavery, but rather states' rights. Yes, oh, 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 absolutely. And this is a big oh, argument that a lot yeah. of people believe and a lot oh, of people follow, yeah. but my counter argument to that is okay, we can view that correctly still. We can still say, "Hey, states deserve to have their rights." Yeah. But not at the expense of another fucking person? Oh, absolutely. So it's absolutely. Like, why why are we so attached to this value that the state deserves its rights at the expense of a person? How far are we willing to take our value system? Yeah. And what hill are we willing to die on? And it seems yeah. that America went to war for that. Yeah. What greater representation of the American ideology and the American mindset that we went to war over a value system at the expense of another person, at the expense of an entire race of people that were suffering in the United States. Like We had a disagreement yeah. about that because we had held so strongly to our values mm-hmm. that we couldn't see that people were suffering because of this value system. Well, I think
0: it wasn't just a value system I think and I'm not sitting here like pro-slavery or anything but you have to acknowledge there was an economic impact it, yeah, okay. you know and, 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 that, and I, think, I think that's what a lot of people who are on that side of the, the conversation are. I, I don't even think they necessarily understand it but that's really what they're talking about is mm-hmm. the economic impact if you're you know a white American during that time
1: you had a lot to lose.
0: You had a lot to lose, but also slavery to you. It's just the way things have been done. Mm-hmm. It's literally what you've been born into. It's natural. It's normal. There's no problem. The people say it's wrong, but you're just like, oh well, you know, this is this is how it is. This is how it's always been, as far as you know. But you
1: see, what type of value do you have to have? Like, whose life do you protect? Like, if we truly yeah. believe that life is sacred, right? We should believe that life is sacred for everyone. The South is one of the most rel- was. Traditionally, one of the most religious parts of the United States. It's not like the liberal North. I agree. So, where which value was over which value? State rights over the over life. I get it. Like white people had a lot to lose. Poor white people who never lost anything before.
0: I'll give you another quote. God loves all His children. um, Is somehow forgotten, but we paraphrase a book written thirty five hundred years ago. That is Macklemore, same love, talking about the inequality with um, homosexuals in the country. It's the same sentiment you're bringing you up now. Gaze. It's
1: what? not a bad word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like homosexuals sounds, <laughs> similar, it, 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 it sounds more like official. It sounds more like, a, like I'm being serious about the topic. Yeah, there's a problem going on with the gays. The homosexual the gays. The community the has been wrong. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's like black versus African-American. Which one do you prefer being called? This one people might get mad at me for. I hate being called African-American. Don't call me fucking African-American unless you're going to call, you know, Tom, Dick, Harry, Jill, and Jane European-American. I was born here. My mother was born here. My father was born here. My grandparents were born here. Their grandparents were born here. I'm part Native American, so their grandparents were born here. Tom, Dick, Jane, Harry, their parents might have been born here. What about before that? They're from fucking across the fucking globe. Just like my real descendants were from across the fucking globe. We're not from here. Native Americans are from here. I'm not African American. I'm American. But if you want to go that deep, okay, I'm African American. You're fucking European American or Chinese American. Only Native Americans are American.
1: I think um, I'm like, I can be black. I'm not African American. I'm not. I don't from Africa motherfuckers I'm from Ithaca New York I think I was like it's it's that liberal mentality that words mean so much and we have to like tread yeah. around certain specific Oh city. yeah like it's gotten to the point where I've heard Americans say yeah and the African Americans that live in Germany it's like, bitch, there are no African-Americans <laughs> in Germany. There are just black people in Germany. But they can't see because they're so scared. They don't want to be wrong. One time I was in fourth grade and we were reading about you know, slavery and all that and the civil rights movement. Yeah. And I distinctly remember this, this, this scene. We were reading, and you know how like there's a student book and a teacher book, right? So the teacher had the oh, teacher yeah, book yeah. and we had the student book. Yeah. And it wasn't me reading, it was someone else reading. He goes, da the blacks, da 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 And the And our teacher in fourth grade stopped him. And was like, no, it said you need to say African Americans. She was very <laughs> insulted by that. But the thing is, our book said black, but her book said yeah. African American.
0: Oh my god, that's crazy. And so she
1: thought, in her mind, that he was purposefully saying black. Oh fourth wow. grader. Oh,
0: so it's wow. like this idea
1: of like black has so much more malice. Yeah. Like it's such an evil word. Oh my and so god. It's like how can we associate like who's more evil? Yeah. Evil people who think that black is an evil word <laughs> like those are the people
0: that are yeah. the good people
1: yeah so i think it's like it's like the whole voldemort thing and to quote hermione granger fear of a word only increases fear of the thing itself hallelujah absolutely i yes yes oh my god or, I, or rather, it was fear of a name only increases fear of the
0: no, I mean that may be the exact quote, but yes, I think even fear of a word. Yes, it's it's absolutely true. I I think that, it's, it's one of the reasons why. Whenever I got brought into the conversation of like, well, why can't white people say the N word, things like that, I'm just like, well, first off, you can. Factually, you can. It's a word. You can say it. Mm-hmm. You can physically. The pronounce English it. language is a tool, and everybody can use it. Yeah, exactly, but in terms of if you're asking me like, in genuinely what the conversation is about, okay, why can a black person say it but a white person can't? I've always been at the perspective of just like, well, it's an understanding that if a black person hears a black person say that, there's no historical um, relation of that being used as a way to signify you are lesser than me. Mm-hmm. When a black person says it, it's generally a term of endearment, or it's just like it's just, it's, just, it's just a word, you know, it's just, it's just a term. When a white person says that, or, any, or someone from any other race for that matter, generally is taken by the black population, even if you don't mean it that way, it has that historical context. I've always been in the mindset of, I don't really care. If you're saying that word to me, and I have any hint of an idea of you're saying it in that context of the historical context... You're not someone I'm ever going to have a conversation yeah. with. You're not someone I'm going to associate with. You're ignorant. I'm not gonna spend my time speaking with you. I'm going to completely ignore you. If I feel like you're saying it in terms of just... camaraderie, Yeah, camaraderie or a term of endearment, if, you, if for whatever reason you feel comfortable enough to even attempt saying that around me, there's one of two things as far as I'm concerned. Either Honestly, you're just not that emotionally intelligent to know whether or not you should or shouldn't say it. Or we actually have established a level of camaraderie where that's pretty much acceptable to me or amongst the group. And I feel like for those who don't have that level of emotional intelligence, it's like, would you be upset at a person with Tourette's for yelling fuck and go fuck yourself? no i wouldn't i mean i might be upset at the fact that they did it but am i really upset with them no they have a mental illness that caused them to do that same way with someone who's racist or who lacks emotional intelligence your brain and your mental capacity do not allow you to act as a normal human being who participates within normal agreed upon societal standards i'm not mad at you i'm mad at the circumstances that created you
1: I think it's also like a lot of people forget that um, people always say look at the historical context of the N word. It's like no, it's like people still use the N word in its historical context. meaning that <laughs> oh, it's no longer yeah. in historical oh, context. Oh yeah, it's still like a thing. That's that a good use point. It's not even historical context. Yeah. It's
0: it's just context. Yeah, that's a it's good just point. In the context. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that the the N-word, proper
0: context per se.
1: It's a loaded topic because yeah. there's so many perspectives on it and. I think that the most extreme liberal thing would be one time I remember from this university that this um, this, this professor was teaching an Asian language. I forget if it was Chinese, Mandarin, um, yeah. Japanese, Korean, and he right. said a word that looked very much, that sounded very much like the N-word, but he's right. teaching a different language in a different context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The students of the class wrote to the dean of the professor saying that the black community felt... Disrespected by the white right professor having said the Asian word, even knowing that it sounded like the N word. These damn knickers. That I sounded knickers on. Ridiculous. It sounded ridiculous to <laughs> me. Insane. I think that's that's insane. that's insane. That's insane. That is that is missing the point. And yes. Yes. It, that's you're, ridiculous. You're taking power, excuse me. You're taking power from the black community even by making that claim. Oh yeah. Because that ex- extreme you know i guess sense of justice then it kind of erases the whole playing field because it's like then when can we get angry about it if we're gonna get angry about that then when are people gonna take us seriously about it
0: yes thank you thank you
1: i still don't know who can or can't say and i don't want to say who can or can't say because i'm not i want to say who can't can't say yeah but linguistically speaking the n-word is a reclaimed word in the in the yeah. And what that is, is like, for example, a lot of women um, were given, you know, a lot of men used bitch. As like a very, bitch or slut. Yeah, yeah. For women. And what did yeah. women do? They reclaimed it. Yeah. So they go, I'm going to go out to the bar with my bitches. It's a reclaimed yes, word It was yes, a word that was literally. first against them. Yeah. And then... They created it for themselves. Yeah. Or like, look at these are my friends. They're such sluts. Yeah. It's like it's a reclaimed word. Or even yeah. in the gay community. Hey, I'm queer and I'm here.
0: Yeah. Queer was
1: an offensive term used towards the gay community. And now it's yeah. been reclaimed. So a lot of words yeah. suffer through that linguistically. Yeah. They're an offense towards towards a group of people. And then they're reclaimed and show a sense yeah. of power.
0: Yes. It's, it's so empowering yourself. Yeah. People
1: forget that the black community doesn't just use the N word because... They wanna be like, we can and you can, nana boo-boo. It's we're now <laughs> yeah. empowering ourselves when we use it. Yeah. We are showing black pride. Ex-
0: and yes. really yes. the reason
1: why you can't say the N-word is because you're not black pride. You don't have black pride. Yes. You don't experience yes. the black
0: experience. Yes. So you have it's experiences like so you can't have the pride of exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. It's like
1: white people straight people never ask, Well, why can't I just call you a queer? No, because they fucking know why. They understand yeah. why. Or it's like, yeah. why can't I call my wife a bitch? It's like, well, you know why. Right, right. You know why you can't call yourself a bitch. Your, your wife a bitch. Yeah. Your wife's friends can call her a bitch because yeah. it's different. It comes from a different place. It comes yeah. from a different dynamic.
0: Yes, absolutely. No, that's, that's a really good perspective to put it into like how that kind of... The cultural context Mm -hmm. of certain words or certain phrases things like that it it extends far beyond something as historical for the u.s like the n-word but also extends uh to yeah other to to not just race but also um uh sexuality and to gender and things like that it it really is it's not just about these individual words or phrases it's about the context they're being used within and about how their words that were used against people and they've taken them culturally and used them to empower themselves and i think it even happens with words that are that trend not even yeah no i'm going to say transcend these issues like um have you have you seen uh jessica jones the I don't want to say superhero, but, like, super being type oh, thing. that it exists. Yeah. It I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't gotten into it in, intensely. But, like, there's this scene where she's getting intimate with another individual. And he's calling her a freak in, in a sexual sense. Mm-hmm. And then he realizes that she's genuinely, like, someone with, like, superhuman abilities mm-hmm. And then he also calls her a freak again, but now it's derogatory. Okay, you see, Yeah, that's a great example. Yes, it's a great, and I really loved that scene because it was just like, I thought it was a shining example of like the whole topic that we're talking about Mm -hmm. now. It's like, oh yeah, so like being a freak was like cool, and it was fun, it was enticing, and it's just like, wait, you're actually like different and weird? (laughs) You freak? It's, and it's incredible it's incredible and it's like so, but that's also like you could and I think there are people who take words like freak and weird dork nerd things like that and they're just like it can be degrading but it can also be empowering like this world is built by those who are weird who are freaks who are nerds who are weird this the world we live in is built by those people This microphone, that light, this computer, my fucking iPhone—it's
1: built by people who are not fucking normal. It's like also you can even use positive words derogatorily. It's like language without context doesn't exist. Yeah, language always exists in context. So, for example, suppose that there is, um, you know, an ugly Betty of a person, right? Yeah, and you go up to him and you go, "Oh my God, you're so beautiful!" Yeah, it's like that sounds condescending. You're you're giving her a compliment but she realizes everyone realizes a person is aware of how they look right Right. at least the same person is aware of how they look so being like oh my god you're so pretty I love you it's like "Mm." and girls do this (laughs) a lot with themselves they'll like they'll see this like very um, I guess unattractive person or not Mm -hmm. um, not attractive in the societal sense of the word yeah the the societal norm and in order to make them feel better they'll be like oh my god you're so beautiful and it's like What you're really saying there in that context is that her lack of beauty is the most important thing because you have to combat it in order to make her feel good. So it's like, why can't we use other adjectives? It's like, why can't we say, oh my God, you're really smart. You know, I really like the way you figured that problem out. Oh my God, you're so intuitive. I'd never thought about it that way. It's like we have so many other words, but we always treat these words. Well, actually I'm deriving from the point. The point was that using a positive word in a negative context. Yeah. Can even be in itself uh, mm-hmm. hurtful for people.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've. This was.
1: That, that's uh, why backhanded compliments are much worse than just word straight out.
0: Actually. Uh huh. Is oh. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, I ha- when I was younger, like, I had this, like, this, this conversation with my mother. She'd be like, and granted, like, she was totally valid in terms of... she'd be like. Wow, I'm really happy you actually did the dishes, and I'm just like, just,
1: just, just say thanks, just stop. Yeah, exactly. I'm
0: like, can we we just say thanks? (laughs) I'm like, can we just be happy? Like, I understand. I and that's like, I'm saying, like, she's not wrong. Like, I wouldn't normally do the dishes, and so it's it's not an incorrect statement. I actually did the dishes as opposed to what would normally actually happen, which is not doing the dishes. But it's like, can we just be like? Thanks, I appreciate you doing it Just As opposed to thanks, I appreciate time. you doing it Since you don't normally do it Like, okay I get you. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me never do it again <laughs> <laughs> Exactly So yeah, it can, the, the positive thing Can very easily become a negative I think it's, it's very easy For us to do that as people Subconsciously I think we do do it consciously Because, I mean Another one of my favorite quotes uh, I think this is Richard Jefferson, NBA player Stay petty so you don't have to get petty. I like that. (laughs) That's all. I consider myself a spiritual, enlightened person. I'm a little petty, just a little bit. So why not stay petty as opposed to having to get petty? Yeah, stay petty so you don't have to get petty. You know, admit your petty. Be petty so that when it happens, people aren't like, "Wow, it's super petty." You, You knew what it was. I'm a little petty. But, you know, I think that, but beyond that, like, subconsciously, we do do that sometimes as people. And I think that kind of ties into who we are versus how we present ourselves in the world. Like, we have subconscious thoughts and realizations of people and behavior and stuff. We don't always express them because either we're not aware of them or it's just not the proper time to acknowledge it. Like, you know, yeah, say somebody's like, really working on their weight or something and they're like yeah i went from you know th- 390 to 387 do you see it well no sharon i don't see it. you <laughs> lost three pounds and you're still massively obese i don't see it but am i proud of the fact that you're working on yourself yes so what i'm going to say is yeah i'm proud of you sharon
1: even though subconsciously or consciously i'm thinking I don't see a damn but thing, also, but I'm still proud. I think the supposed Sharon also put herself in a situation where she wanted to be complimented. Yeah, because of course. Obviously, yeah, I think Sharon you're fishing for it. You can't obviously see a three pound oh, weight, of luck. course, but you need the validation. But you want the validation, and you can validate. Which I have no problem with without slipping into their skewed reality of things. Oh, absolutely. So You can still say yeah. I'm really proud of you, or you should be. You must be really proud of yourself. for having Yes, or loss you a three should pound. be proud of yourself yeah. because. I
0: don't care how much weight you've lost or whatever it is you've done oh oh I can now lift a hundred pounds versus a hundred and ten or or, or or whatever like you should be proud of yourself for putting in the work it's not it's not yet yeah, I don't the result is great but it's about the efforts you're putting in I think that's very very important and and acknowledging that you can make that conscious effort to be positive as opposed to not is very important but also acknowledging the the subtle, negative aspects of the
1: perceived conscious comments is very important. Yeah. So our podcast today, our podcast episode has almost reached two hours. Almost reached two hours. It has. Yeah, wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I do... Fuck, what time is it? I, I do have to, to do the work thing in the morning. It's not too late, but yeah, I suppose we can... Um, we we can begin to wrap it up. We could begin to wrap it up.
1: Any yeah. final thoughts on our conversation today?
0: Um, I would just say that.
1: Or rather, any final thoughts on your first episode of Notable Quotables?
0: It went. It genuinely went even far better than I could have even imagined. It's it. The, I think the flow of conversation and how much. Any time. I get to say, as a person who considers himself a thinker and a philosopher, anytime I get to say, I never thought about it like that, I feel like I've now accomplished something throughout the day. Okay. And I've said that I don't know how many times throughout this conversation, and I feel very grateful for that. That's really important to me, and I'm very glad that we get to share this with people, um, but a, yeah, a huge part of it for me is being able to have that, is being able to have those moments and come back and watch this and reflect and be like, oh my God, here's a whole new way to think about things. That's, that's a huge reason why I'm doing this. That's like 50% is like, I want to share with people my perspective and stuff, but I want to learn. And so I just want, I want to thank you for being here, being a part of this, this journey and helping to educate me and, and broaden my perspective and consciousness.
1: I want to thank you for bringing me on your first episode yeah. of Notable Quotables. It's yeah. quite the honor to you know, set the stage for the coming uh, visitors that you will have on your show. Yeah. And I think you've got a good thing going here. Yeah. I think it's just like we said, I think it's a great thing to tell stories. And it's a great thing to have other people read into those stories. And mm-hmm. it's a great thing to have conversations about things. Yeah. I think there's no greater joy than the art of communicating in language. Absolutely. As a linguist myself, I must put that in there. It is in my contract yes. as a linguist.
0: Yes, please do. Yes, but it's true.
1: I I do believe that th- this is the driving force of the human condition.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. These another short quote. Po- I don't remember who it was. Somebody else in the Joe Rogan podcast. But like, words are just it's <laughs> they're just sounds we decided connect to concepts that exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very, very special thing. Like, if you were some, like, alien looking down on us and never heard, like, human language, like, any any language, English, French, Spanish, whatever, you just, like, looked down on us. You just saw these creatures just going, <laughs> <laughs> We look fucking weird. <laughs> like, it's incredible. Like, we're not, we're just, these sounds are coming out of us. They don't, we decided they mean something. Yeah, you just... They're just you're sounds. You're hitting your tongue against <laughs> different parts of your mouth yeah. and then
1: receiving... Yeah. Quantifiable data from it. And isn't that's that ridiculous. incredible? That's incredible. That's ridiculous. And Absolutely. that's why
0: telepathy is a real thing. <laughs> we'll get into that more in another episode. But that's why we're telepathic creatures.
1: True that.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, well, thank you, everyone, for giving us your time. Um, I guess m- my... Um, expectation for people who listen or view this podcast is to take part in the conversation.
0: Yes, please. Please it's do.
1: To not view this as like at the end all be all. I think a lot of times when we see like content online we're always like no yeah. he's wrong because he said this or I think right. something it's like yeah, no, yeah. We, we're just two people who are present here but yeah. online makes it as if you guys were present there. So if you want to yeah. add more to the conversation please do. Yeah. We, we That's love why to I'm hear sharing more. This. That's the yeah. point of this.
0: So, yeah. yeah, that's the whole point We we want us to spark conversation Open-mindedness we, I, really, I would love to have people Who are fans, who are interested Be guests on here and share with us the quotes That they want us to break down and discuss We want open conversation I don't in any way think I'm right About anything that I've said here tonight You know, definitively I want, please, please prove me wrong <laughs> as, a, as a philosopher Please explain to me How I'm wrong, I'd love to hear it Alright, thank you everybody. I hope you've had an incredible time listening to us. Uh, we will have merchandise available soon. We'll be up on social media. You can follow me personally um, on Instagram at OctaviusLundy. Uh, I, when I post this on YouTube, I will have a link uh, in the description box for you to follow me. Frankie, do you have any social media you'd like to add to this?
1: I think I'll just include it. I'll send it to you to include <laughs>
0: Okay, so everything will be included in the description box on YouTube. Um, If you're listening on Spotify, you can go find us on YouTube and follow the link on there for our social media. But for everybody else out there, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your time. We love you and take care. Awesome. Well, it's going to take a while to process.